0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. So, paraphrase Puzzle, Gidegimel. It says, Moshe <laughs> Rabbeinu went out on the second day. This is the day after he had just killed that mitzvah v'nei. Shnei Nashim Ivrim There were two Jews that were fighting. Vayim Russian. He said to the Russian, Why are you hitting your friend? Right? Why are you hitting your friend? By and he said, "Who are you? Who placed you as a man who's a an officer and a judge upon us? Halargeni atomer? Are you trying to kill me? Like he killed the mitsri? By Moshe. So Moshe was afraid, and he said, "No da Now people know about this, and that's why he was worried. Paro found out about it, wanted to kill him, and. In the years past, we talked about how Paro went after Moshe Rabbeinu or what happened to Midrashim about how he tried to kill Moshe Rabbeinu and was not successful doing so. So, so Sofer, as we said this in the past, this Misa is clearly being brought to you to show how Moshe Rabbeinu could never stand by when somebody else was being hurt. He does this when he sees a Jew being hit by an Egyptian. He does this when he sees a Jew hitting another Jew. He does this when he sees the shepherds hurting an innocent woman. Moshe is the type of person. One after the other, something goes badly. He involves himself. He's never a bystander watching it happen. He involves himself, and it shows how to act when things aren't the best things in the world. When you get involved, Rashi tells us that these two men were Dustin and Aviram. In previous years, we've talked about how this worked, why they were Dustin and Aviram, etc. That's not something I want to go through right now. Targum Yonasan. Also says it's Dustin Aviram. And Balaturum says Dustin Aviram. Either they were brothers, or they were friends with one another, or they were brother-in-laws. Whatever it is, it's Dustin Aviram. Rashi says he never actually hit his friend. Rather, he lifted up his hand to hit his friend, and that was enough to be considered a Russia. You're a Russia. If you lift up your hand against your friend, and that's why he said by Yomilar said to the Russia, Loma how is he a Russia? He didn't know the guy. Answer is lifting up your hand against your friend makes you into a Russia itself, based on the Gemara and Sanhedrin San Adrian Nunchamabase. Then Moshe said to your friend, the other guy is also a Russia. The other guy that you're hitting is also a Russia. Now it's not that the other guy lifted up his hand. It's not that the other guy lifted up his hand. How did he know the friend was a Russia? Dasan, who was about to punch Aviram, I get it he's a Russia. But Aviram, what did Aviram do wrong? Why is Aviram considered a Russia? So is Bracha doesn't understand it at all. The Posik says, Why are you hitting your friend? Lama sake recha. Not why did you lift up your hand to hit your friend? It says, Why did you hit your your friend? It seems clear that he actually had the word that's used, sake, as opposed to the word hikisa may mean you are about to hit your friend. And maybe that's where Rashi got it from. Lama ha sakereka, why are you about to hit your friend? As opposed to the word, he why did you hit your friend? But Josephus Baruch is not convinced by that. Rebarah Epstein says, I'm not convinced that that's the real pshat. And that it really is that it's you're trying to hit your friend. He said, it's a drush, so we'll accept the drush. But it's that. But even so, why is the friend considered a rasha? If I lift up my hand to punch my friend, I'm considered a rasha. Why does Rashi say that the other guy must have also been a rasha? Because he called him his friend. What, what, what did he do wrong? So Kliakr says, it's clear Moshe Rabbeinu heard them talking to one another. They were shouting epithets at one another. They were giving these words. One guy was making fun of that guy. The other guy was making fun of that guy. Finally, it came to blows where Dustin got up and he was ready to punch. They're both Rishayim from their words. But he called Dustin a straight out Russia for lifting up his hand. But certainly the friend... Deserve to be hit at one point. The words that he used against Dustin were enough so that he was considered a Russia itself. That's the idea behind it. To which again they answered back and said are you going to kill us like that Egyptian man? You think that hitting and, and, and lifting up your hand is equal to one another? Are you going to kill us like you did that guy? Nonetheless, the idea is there that lifting up your hand is a Russia but so too making fun of another person. Saying words against another person would be considered a Russia. Yes, yeah, so. Al? The opposite calls it a Russia. Most of going very, very good call. Hold on a second with that one. That's the best question in the world. Right? We're saying right now, it sounds like from the Kliakar that Moshe is calling him a Russia. But Moshe wasn't calling him a Russia. It's by Yomer Le Russia, he said to the Russia, the Pasuk is calling him that, Loma Sakhariach. Okay, hold on with that. Then it says he was so upset when Moshe Rabinu called him a Russia, that he decided right then and there to go tell power what he had done. And here's the lesson. This is a tremendous, tremendous lesson. Moshe was right to give them Muster about beating each other up. That was the right thing to do. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to them and said, guys, this is not the right thing to do. But he messed up. And this is a kit, a mess up. And Moshe Rabbeinu was is young. this before he's a navi. And there's a lesson to be learned from this pasuk. So although normally we don't say like, oh, Moshe Rabbeinu messed up like this. But over here, this is a mistake, says in a tziv, for us to learn from. When you're giving muster to somebody else, don't call them names. Don't say a name. There's no reason to call him a Russia straight out while you're giving him that muster. And that's something he never should have insulted him because he insulted him. He lost out on what the muster could have done. Granted, if he would have said the muster in a different way, it would have happened. It would have been, it would have been applicable. But because he said something terrible to him, he countered with, well, if he's going to call me that, then I'm going to go to the government and I'm going to go get him in trouble. And that's the idea that even though he was right to do what he did, Moshe Avinu was 100% right in doing what he did, nonetheless, he messed up. That's not something that you should do. And it's a very, very good lesson to learn not to call that name, even if you want to, not to call that name when you know the person is like that. And that's the idea behind it of don't say it straight out. Now, again, according to the he called him a rasha, you hear that? The passage doesn't say that. But according to the tziv, again, he called him a rasha. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky points out, but Moshe Bidou never called him a Russia. It's the pusik He said, he didn't say, you're a Russia, why are you hitting your friend? He said to the guy who was a Russia, why are you hitting your friend? There's no word Russia inside there. So he said, it's strange. He says, this is how we know that someone is called a Russia by lifting up your hand because Hashem calls them a Russia because God called them a Russia. It seems so strange that this is the line from over here. So, Rabbi Yaakov points that out right over there, and he said, The point over here is to say the following, and it's a really, really hard thing. A Russia and a tzaddik has nothing to do with your past, a Russia and a Tzadik has to do with where you are right now. Meaning, what are you doing right now? You know, the idea of like, what have you done for me lately? That concept of what have you done for me lately, which is true in almost all sports and whatever it is. When it comes to being a Russia, it doesn't matter what you've done. It's what you are right now. Now, we learned that lesson from Yishmael. Remember Bashir Husham? God judged him as he was right there at that point. Right now, is he a Russia or a tzaddik? He's a tzaddik? All right, let him go. The concept is right now, is he a Russia? Right now. Dustin could have been a great guy. I don't know what he was like before. But right now, he's lifting up his hand to punch his friend. You're a Russia. You are considered a Russia. But Rabbi Yakov Kamenetsky just points out, he says it's the strangest thing in the world that it sounds like from some of the Rishonim and Akronim that he called them a Russia. He never did. There's no word that says that over there. The Malbim, the Be'er Mayim Chaim, both say there's only three people who can give muster properly. Here's the three people who can give muster properly. This does not say that no one can give muster. It says the following, ish, a person who's respected, he clearly wants to have shaykhis with you and you should have shaykhis with him, like a great tzaddik or a great person. And ish should give muster to other people. That's one. A tsar, an officer who's put in a position to give, put people on the right path. Now, even though they themselves, it might be beneath their dignity to give muster because that's not what they're there for. They're just a sar. They're in charge. They're people that are governors in charge itself, but they cannot condone behavior by not saying something. They have to say something. They should say something over here. That's a sara. SARS to make sure that never happens. And finally, a show fate. Someone whose job is to keep people doing everything properly, like a policeman. And a policeman also is supposed to do that. I've always hated it. I don't know about you, but it, not that I've ever been pulled over by a cop for anything because I've never done anything wrong. But if somehow I was ever pulled over by a cop, I was just pulled over by a cop not too long ago, by the way. I had no idea what I did. So, like, he came to the car, and he said, like, I, I was waiting for him to say it. So I could honestly say there have been other times where I may have sped, may have, you know, rolled through a stop, may have done something evil and disgusting. But those I knew. So, like, that was a pure lie. Officer, what did I do? The innocent face that you give. This time, I really didn't feel like I did anything. And he told me my brake light was out. not that the worst? The absolute worst. All of that for a little to And the guy didn't give me a ticket because I knew the chief of police in Lincolnwood. That's, that's what you do, by the way drop names, that's the way to do it, but that's that, but nonetheless, it's like that, a shofate is supposed to be that way, a shofate is supposed to give over, Moshe Rabbeinu, he said, you're not one of these three, you're not an Ish, you're not a Sar, you're not a Shofate. how dare you give us Moser, why are you allowed to give us Moser, and again, according to the idea, the way that we said it from the Nitziv, if he called him a Russia, even more so, who gives you permission to call me a Russia, who are you, are you an Ish, are you a Sar, are you a Shofate? You're not any of those things. So who in the world allows you to be able to do it? Yeah. What's up then? Is, is, is the I mean, the passage says only Sar. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, me you that? Like, like, no, 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 no. The wording, the wording of the passage is, <laughs> Yeah, all three of them are right there. Tosefus bracha points out over here, again, the same Rav scene over here, that these men, the words that they spoke was in Avua. Who are these men again? This was Dasan. And Aviram, right? They didn't realize what they were saying. Moshe was an Ish. In Parshas Valoskel, he's called an Ish. He is a Tsar. In Parsha's Chukas, he's called a Tsar. And he's a Shofet. In Parsha's Israel, he's called a Shofet. He is an Ish Tsar Shofet. Not yet, but he will be an Ish sar shofed. Not only that, unfortunately, Moshe Rabenu did kill them. When they said, Halorgenyat Omer, what, are you going to kill us with your words? Uh, he did. How did Moshe Rabenu kill Dustin Aviram? When Dustin and Aviram went up with, the, with Korach and whatever, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? He said the ground should open up and swallow up Dustin and Aviram. Are you going to kill us with your words? Not yet. Not yet. But I will. <laughs> it is going to happen. I will kill you with my words themselves. That's brought down as well from the Tosefus Bracha. So this was an avua that they didn't even realize what they were saying. Their words were 100% true. Are you an Isar Veshofei? Yes, yes, and yes. Are you going to kill us with your words? Yeah, give me, give me a couple of years. It will happen, just not yet. Now, Rashi says, Dustin, over here and put down Moshe by saying, You're still young. You're still a young kid. You shouldn't be giving mustard to other people. Now, to me, it certainly sounds like they didn't know who this was. Would you do that to the prince? You know, the prince living in the kingdom, Bisya's son? I would assume they knew this was Bisya's son. I would be shocked if they knew who it was, and they spoke out like that to him. It's a little bit strange to be able to say that over to somebody else. So how old was he at the time? The Chassam Sofer quotes a Ramban, and the Rabbeinah B'chayah says the following, who brings a Shmos, Rabba, and Parakei Halacha Aleph that says he was 12 years old at the time. How do we know that? Mi Ish. Who made you an Ish? When are you considered a man? At the age of 13. So he must have been under 13. He was 12 years old. That's the first thing. The Marachal, Marach, I don't know who it is, quoted by the Chido, says he was 15 or at least under the age of 20. Since an Ish is somebody at the age of 20. Not at the age of 13, but the age of 20 itself. There's a Shmos Rabbah Alaf that says he was 20 or even 40 years old. So we've got four opinions. We've got all together, well, technically five, but we'll go with four. 12, under 20, 20, or 40. Those are the four opinions that are mentioned over here, how old he was. But 12 makes sense, because he called him an ish, me, some, But you should just know the following. How do we know? How do you know that a bar mitzvah boy becomes bar mitzvah at the age of 13? How do you get that? Does anybody know where that comes from? There's no pasuk, obviously. Nowhere in the Torah. So how do we know that bar mitzvah is at the age of 13? From what? From what? You'd assume because of maturity right, maturity, and you have the shtei Cyrus, so then it should be according to when he gets the shtei sairos. shouldn't be at the age of 13. That may be a little embarrassing, like one kid at the age of seven and the other kid at the age of 17, you know what I'm saying? Like, that could be a little bit embarrassing for certain people. But it is strange, right? It's something that you should just at least, like, say, like, wait, 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 I didn't even consider that. What in the world? How did that happen? But it is a little bit strange, right? How do we know it? There's a big mach locus on it. Some say it's halach lomosh which means it didn't exist before matan torah which means Moshe at the age of 12, there was no Ish. There's no such thing. Others say it's learned from Shimon and Levi, that Shimon and Levi fought Shchem, and it says that they were in Ish, that the Ish fought against Shchem, and Ish is the age of 13. At the time, Shimon was 13. There's a problem with that because Levi wasn't 13 at the time, but regardless, right, it would have been something like that. We learn it from over there, but it's a really big Shiloh. It's something you should think about. Why in the world is it from there? Isn't it so strange? Like we grow up obviously knowing that Bar Mitzvah is the age of 13, right? How do you know it? How do you know it? If you go by Nadarim, Nadarim is the year before. Nadarim by a 12-year-old boy and an 11-year-old girl. How do you know bas mitzvah by a girl? Right? said, don't make a bas mitzvah. There's no Elohim Moshe Isinah for it. There's nothing for it. There's no Pusik that tells you that 12 by a girl. It's just the assumption that if 13 by a boy and 12 for Nadarim, then Mishamah, it's 12 by a girl and 11 by Nadarim. That's the assumption. But it's not brought anywhere. There's no... What about Dina? I'm sorry? Dina. What about her? Do you know that? Really, that's brought down. I thought it was said that she was twelve when she was to when she got. she was twelve when she got married to time Right, I have to look really that up. But she's not called like an isha at that point. You know, Absolutely. you have to see it from she a, a pesuk. She was three. Or yeah, years. but I, that's a different issue altogether. That's just about it. you know how old she was and whether she was in a of of et etc. Right. One, that. Yeah. 12, yeah, but that's, it. again, you're not dealing with a riot. Like, give me a posik that tells me, here's the proof she was 12 or she was, he was 13, and that makes them into that. We don't have that. We don't have anything like a Moshe Rabbein who became Bar Mitzvah at the age of 13, and he read from the Torah. We don't have that. Mm-hmm. Such a thing doesn't exist anywhere. If it would be, that would be weird. It would just be strange. It would be up there. The Be'er Yosef says they thought this wasn't just a bin of Moser. They didn't think this was Moser. They heard this kid talking to them, and they were like, this guy's going to kill us. They saw him the day before, Dustin saw him the day before, kill the Ish right? So they thought, this guy is going to kill us. The imanus thought he was going to kill us. And because they were so scared, there is a shita in Sanhedrin and Chesim that if a guy lifts a hand up to another friend, the only thing you can do is bury him. They thought he held like Rabbi Lazar. right? The Moshe Rabbeinah held like Rabbi Lazar and he has to go into the ground itself and that's what they were actually worried about. They thought that he was going to kill them. So therefore, the reason why they went to Paro was if he's going to kill us, we're going to try to kill him first. That's an actual line the Bar Yosef used. I, I, I mean, Rav Schwab points out, it seems like there's something that we're missing here, doesn't it? Let's say Moshe Rabbeinu was the daughter of Bisya, the daughter of Paro, right? Why in the world would you say, who made you the man, the Shofed Aleinu? Wouldn't you think that if he's the daughter of the son of, of Bisya born in the palace, they knew who he was, you'd think? What was Dustin thinking? He is a Shofed Elenu, he could kill anyone. A prince can kill anyone at any time. I know the Prince of England can't do that. I realize that, although technically I think he can. Right? At any point, I think they have executive orders that they're allowed to kill. Is that what we learned? Right? That they can kill at any point if they want to. Okay. I haven't heard of them do that. Yeah. I don't think England can. They the real The real model I'm telling. you, We looked it up. Remember, we had this whole thing. We looked it up. Technically, they, they have the ability have to kill. That they, can do. they can do it. They can over. Yeah, they can start wars on their own. Australia is a country? Yeah. What was the line that I just heard about Australia? It was a really good one. I hope there's nobody from Australia watching. This is a really, really good one. A guy came up to me and said, he said, oh, a guy, a guy came in by passport, whatever it is, you know, by the whatever. And he said, like, um, do you have any prior records? And he's like, I didn't know there was still a requisite to come to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good, right? Okay, it was a good one. Anyway, regardless, Riv Schwab says, he asked that question, he says, what was he thinking? Of course he deserves to be the star of the was the He was the prince. He was the prince, right? It just seems so strange. So it seems, it could be that they had just figured something out. That Dustin and Aviram all of a sudden just figured something out. Like, you know how like all of a sudden you get that like light bulb that goes off on top of your head and you're just like. Oh, man, I just figured it out, right? Here's what happened with Dustin and Aviram. Dustin and Aviram figured, they realized, why were they throwing all the Jewish babies into the river? What was the point of throwing all the Jewish babies into the river? Because they knew that there was going to be one baby that was going to be born that was going to lead the Jews. And he was going to be the future savior of the Jews, right? They all knew that. There was going to be somebody that's going to stand up and he's going to do it. And nobody, at some point they stopped because they thought the person was gone and they didn't know what happened and the astrologers messed whatever. We know the astrologers messed up and they didn't see what they were supposed to see and Moshe Rabbeinu lived. Moshe Rabbeinu was put in the river, but he wasn't drowned in the river. So they thought that it was all gone and everything's there. They, all of a sudden they, they look, Dustin Aviram saw this guy, they saw Moshe and they're like, oh wow, this kid is a Jewish kid that grew up in the palace, right? Found in the river by Bisya. Found in the river, Maybe the reason why they thought that the child had died was because he was in the river. But this kid is growing up with impunity. He's willing to do whatever he wants. He's killing Egyptians. Clearly, this kid is the child of the prophecy. That's the child of the prophecy that the astrologers saw in Shemaim. This kid is it. So they were, they might have been Jews. Jews. But they were taskmasters. They weren't at. Didn't have it as badly as the other Jews. So they said, like, we just figured it out. This is the kid, Paro. This is the kid. He killed an Egyptian man already. He wants to lead the Jews. He feels bad about the Jews, Jewish slaves. You were looking for a kid who was born at that time, who was going to lead the Jews. This is him, and he's growing up in your palace. And that's why Paro tried to kill him. He says the crazy thing behind hatred, when a guy hates another person, is that. They figure out the truth. They figured it out without even realizing what they had done. Dustin and Aviram were so dangerous because they realized who this kid was. Nobody else figured it out. Even Bissia didn't figure it out. Paro didn't figure it out. Bilam almost figured out Paro. saw him with taking the crown off of Paro's head. And he's like, maybe this kid is it. But even then he wasn't convinced. Dustin and Aviram were convinced. And that's what allowed them to go up to Paro. And that's what he said. You're the guy. You're the kid. You're the one who's going to lead us in the future. You're the one that Paro wants to kill. And they went to Paro to go tell him, this is the guy that you want to kill. And that's why Paro was into it. What's up, Jace? How did Dostoevsky know that he was Jewish? That he was Jewish? I think everyone knew that... Again, you can't tell this for sure. Everyone knew that this kid was born in the kingdom. Bisya had this child with him. She didn't look like the other, he didn't look like the other Egyptians. He acted a little bit different. He had grown up with Amram and Yochadet. I'm sure the word got around, especially because Dustin and Avir were important people. I'm sure people knew that this is a Jewish kid that Bisya raised. Yeah. What's up, The, I don't know if everybody knew the milk thing, but they for sure knew by now. I would assume everyone knew that this kid was Jewish. I, I can't imagine that it was kept secret from everybody. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It could be. I don't know. But I, that, that's an unreal Rav an unbelievable Rav And then comes Reverse. Hirsch. Hirsch. says, welcome to the land of the Jew. Okay, listen to Rav Hirsch. This is such a beautiful reverse. This Pusik defines for us a character trait that's true by every single Jewish person and lies at the root of every single one of our faults. 600,000 strong men were willing to be subdued and slaves to an Egyptian nation, right? They could not, imagine, 600,000 Jews. You don't think they could have stood up and become a a force and start a war against their Egyptian masters? We're not talking about 20,000 or 30,000 people. We're talking about 600,000 Jews. I don't care how many Egyptians there were. 600,000 Jews is a huge army. How could they have not fought against their No, we don't do that. When we're subdued, we don't fight back. But if one Jew gets up and tells us that we did something wrong, we'll fight him to the death. We'll fight him to the death. Even if he's right. Even if he's right. This is the way of the Jew. We are so obstinate that we'll lie down in front of certain oppressors. But another Jew? I will never listen to another Jew. Who's that guy to tell me what to do? I won't be ruled by somebody else who's Jewish. It's amazing. Moshe Rabbeinu said something here that makes a ton of sense. Dude, why are you hitting your brother? We're slaves together. Let's try to knock down our masters. Let's knock down the Egyptians. We're not, let's not infight, well, let's not have any infighting. That made sense. And yet the Jew responds with arrogance and even told, had told on him in the government for saying something that makes sense. That's the way a Jew is. It says reverse, that's the way we are. Even when Jews go to public schools, and are together with other non-Jews, we're still filled with this insatiable desire to rule over our brothers, not necessarily over other people. It's there. We are so brazen, so stiff-necked. And the truth is, that's what's held us all these years. We've been able to learn Torah under impossible circumstances. We've been able to believe in God, even through all the things that have happened to us. We are a people that are stiff-necked, and it's done us well. And sometimes, it's the craziest media. And we see it right here by Dustin Avira. Dustin is about to punch a Jew, and Moshe's like, Don't hit your friend. And he's like, who made you the leader over me to tell me that I can't hit my friend? What are you doing? Why would you argue about that? This is so obvious. He says, this is the type of person that we are. That's the type of Jew, the way a Jew is. So crazy. Such an unbelievable line. Now we finally get to the meat and potatoes over here. I, I do have quite a bit over here regarding the Rashi with the shame of Mofurash, etc. If you want to see over here how he killed him with the name itself, right? The Ramban, the Gurari, the Griz. I have a bunch of things on Jastam. How in the world did this Egyptian know, did Dustin know, I should say, that Moshe Rabbeinu killed the Egyptian with the shame of Hashem? We say, Halorgenyat to Omer, would you say you're going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian the day before, that you killed him with the shame? So here's, first of all, before we go on, First of all, the Ibn Ezra, the Roshfam, and the Shl- Sforno say, it doesn't mean that he killed him with a word. It means he punched him so hard that he killed him. That's what they say. In Pshat, the Ibn Ezra, the Rashbam, the Sforno, they're all saying, it's not like, why are you looking for excuses to kill me? Right? It just means that he punched the Egyptians so hard the day before. Barashi says that he killed him with a Shema Mafurish, the actual name of God. The Ramban and the Gurarie both say it was a combination of both. He punched him really hard, and he used the Shema Mafurish at the same time. So meaning the punch wouldn't have been enough, The shame of Mufurish doesn't work without something that you're doing at the same time. By punching him while saying that name of God, he killed him. He used both at the exact same time. That's how the Ramban and the Gurari explains it. They go through this as well. There's a Safnad Paneach over here that's crazy. Softnas Paneach says he never really killed him, but it's the ruggachever. I can never understand what the ruggachever is talking about. The Marl Diskin has something over here as well. The Grizz says he felt that the Egyptian was Chaiv Misa based on the Rambam, the Rambam Paskins and Hilkusmalkham Perak Yodalachav, <laughs> that if a guy is hitting a Jew, even a small wound, he should be Chayiv Misa, but we can't kill him for it. So he's Chayiv Misa Bide Shamayim. This is a non-Jew hitting a Jew. And causing a wound, right? That guy is Chay of Misa, but we can't kill him. So it's Chay Misa, but Shemayim. So how did Moshe Rabbeinu kill him? Shem Shemayim, Shem Shemayim right? A shame that he used Shem Shemayim. So that's the grizz, the moral. Diskin says, so for the Yafos, I saw that everywhere, right? But what did he say? If he used the Shem of Hashem, what shame did he say? Okay, so ready? This is going to be good, but I'm going to say it really, really quickly. The Rabbeinu B'chayim says he used the Shem Membez. Now, what is the Shem Membez? You all know it. It's If you look on the side of the art school sitter, it has abhagyatats, kara, neged, yakash, etc. Those are 42 letters. That's the 42 letter shame of Akarish Barhu, the 42 letter shame. Now, why is it okay for me to say Abhagyatats? Those are not words, they're letter combinations. Now the truth is it's very difficult, and I don't fully understand all this stuff, but there is a shalushuza rashbah in Khilak al-Simon Rishkoff that says it's not just that you know what the letters are, because everybody knows what the letters are. You say anabakoach on Kabbalah Shabbos and in the morning after Korbanos all the time. You say it and you see the letters on the side. You need to know the secrets behind it, says the Roshman in order for it to work. You have to be able to enter into the world of Kedusha, where those shemos of Hashem actually have a paula. They actually can do something in order you have to have proper kavana, since most of us don't have, don't have the ability to do that, so it doesn't happen. I've been using it for about 10 years now. It hasn't worked for me once. I've been trying many, many times. Yeah, it, mostly when I'm driving. But mo- it, it just, it hasn't worked. And I know it's because I haven't had the proper kavana, because I haven't said the shemos properly, and it's not like that. But there is a forty-two letter shame you have it in your in your sitter. It's all over the place, right? And it's right there. rabbin Nachaya says it's hinted to in pasuk yud Bez. Pasuk yud Bez is made up of forty-two letters. Ah. Uh-huh. The 42 letters were the 42 letters, Shem of HaKadosh Baruch This name is mentioned by David Melch and Telem, Kuf Mem Ches Yud Gimel. Yes, Kuf Mem Ches, it's right before, it's the very, very end, it's the second to last, uh, third to last halukah, the middle halukah, where the second letters of Viniskov Shmo Levado. Niskov Shmo Levado is Nun uh, Viniskov. Sin Mem Bez is Shame Mem Bez. Shin. Mem Mem Bez. That's the idea behind it. That was the Koch that he used to pull Yosef at out of the Nile River. That was Alei Shur. That's mentioned by the Midrashim when he pulled him out of the river itself. This is the shame that Elisha used when the kids called him baldy. They said, Alei Kereach, Alei Kereach. Elisha said this shame and he killed, how many kids were they? Take a guess. Go a little bit further up. 42, obviously, right? We got to go with that. It's 42. That's the shame Mambay base. Says Rabbi was used in each one of these. So how in the world would Moshe Rabbeinu have known this shame while living in Paro's palace? Isn't that strange? Like, I, don't, I, I didn't know this name until like, okay, maybe I was 20. Now I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't know this name until when? A couple years ago, right? I'm sure most people didn't know that this was an actual name and it didn't go around there. So how did Moshe Rabbeinu know when he was living in Paro's palace? How would he know it? It's possible he kept up a relationship with Amram and since Paro knew he was Jewish, he probably sent him back. He probably lived with them. I don't know why Amon Yochavet felt that he needed to know the Bays, but eventually he might have taught it to him and eventually he knew. I guess maybe Amon Yochavet felt that it was important for him to get a Jewish education and Bissi was convinced, okay, we can send him back and maybe he learned from there. I don't know. Maybe that's the idea behind it. It's possible that he was allowed to be educated through the Jewish leaders. Dorash David, or David Hofstetter, says that Moshe Rebun was born at an extremely high level and was zochah to much kedusha even before he was able to speak. He quotes a bunch of zoha that say exactly that. And he says about the Midrashim, how when Moshe Bittu was born, what was in the house? Right. There was an or that went throughout the entire house. Clearly Moshe Bittu was different. He had the Shechina with him. Bisya saw the Shechina with him when, he, when she saw him inside. So it makes sense that he would understand and be able to use Shamos that no one else would be able to use. That makes sense. Perhaps that's all part of the preparation that was necessary for him to become the person that he became, the nubbi that he became, that he was already made over there. Now, there are those in him that argue with David Hofstadter that Moshe Rabbeinu created himself with tremendous hashtadlus, that he was never that great, but he pushed himself to be even greater. Check out the verse, it's well, at the end of Kiddushin by the Mishnayis in the Yochin, you know, the Yachin Boaz. Check out what he says over there, as well as look at the Meshech Shmos in the very beginning of Shmos, that Moshe Rabbeinu literally made himself even better. But his opinion, Dorish David is, is that he already had the abilities to use these shamos properly. He, had, he was a special person when he was born. He continued to be a special person and therefore you can't ask, how do you know the Shamos? This is just the type of person that he was. Maral Diskin, and Taz both say the exact same thing. This is the issue. In Kiddush 9 nah, and Aleph, we say, you know who gets the Shamos You know who gets to understand these Shamos of Hashem? It's only given over to someone who's sanua and humble and has already reached half of his years. If the guy's going to live to 100, he has to reach 50. Guy's going to reach to 70, he's got to be 35. Obviously, since we have no idea when we're going to die. You basically have to push it off until you're as old as possible to learn about this shame itself. The reason why is simple. What are we afraid of? If anybody knows the shame when they're 10 years old, then they're going to get into a fight over ping pong, right? And people will die left and right. So we don't teach this shame on to anything out there. Dustin knew that Moshe Rabbeinu was young. So he looked at Moshe Rabbeinu and he said, why in the world do you know the shame on how are you able to stay over the Shein base to kill that Egyptian the day before? Me, some chalei, sarve, shoved How could you have known this? Nobody knows that. How in the world? Now, that's the first thing. Okay, that's the Shein base. The Chida brings from the Arizal that the shame he used was chof hey tough, also known as Taka, which is the letters following the shame Shin, Dalet, Yud. The letter after Shin is a what? After a Shin is a? tough. After a Dalet is a? Hey. And after a Yud is a? Huff. Chof. taf hey chof or chof hey tough or take right, is the shame that he ended up using. This is the eighth of the letter combinations that are known as the 72-letter name. Technically, guys, it's not really a 72-letter name. You should just know that. There are 72 three-letter words. So altogether, it would be 72 times three. So what is that, 116? No, uh, 216, right? 72 times three is 216? We go with that. Okay, so it's 216 letters altogether. There are 72 three-letter combinations. The eighth of those 72 is Taka. The eighth of the 72 is Tof Chaf So he said that's the idea behind it. The Chassam Silver says, you know where it comes from? Yaakovinu came along and said, the El Shakai Yitain Lacham Rachamin. The El Shakai will give you rachamim when you're a Mitzrayim. When you're a Mitzrayim, El the El Vav Aleph Lamed Shakai shindalad Yud. Most of took the letters in between them. Now look at this. Ready? In between a Vav and a Dalid is what letter? A He. In between an Aleph and a Shin. Be careful with that. An Aleph and a Shin is what letter? A Tuf. In between a Lamid and a Yud is A. In between Vikhail, Shakai is Taka that's the tefillah of Yaakov Binu to be able to hurt the Egyptians, that's the shame that he gave them to be able to destroy them over here. Moshe Vinu is connected to it because Kel Shakai, Aleph Shin is the gematria of Moshe, of him himself. So it may only work to kill Egyptians, says Hassan Sofer, because the tefillah was made by Yaakov in order to bring them down to Mitzrayim. This is why he said in the next pasuk Lama sake Re'echo. The next day he looks over at Dasan Aviram, what are Dasan 'm doing? They're yelling the word Taka to each other to try to kill each other. It's what you said. You can't use Taka against your friend. It only works against your enemies. You can't use it against somebody else. It doesn't work that way. When he realized that the Rishayim had overheard him using this shame. When he killed the Egyptian. That Dustin Abiram overheard him using the shame. And the Halakha is you're not allowed to say these Shamos out to people who are not ready for it. He knew he made a mistake. no hadavar. Now people know the davor, the word, the divor. Now people know what this word is. And he went to Gullus to be metakin his sin of using a shame of HaKadosh Baruch Hu improperly. This is the secret of the Ari Miklat being given over to Moshe Rabbeinu. Ari Miklat are the cities of refuge given over to Moshe Rabbeinu. He gave him the Ari Miklat because Ari Miklat is him. He had to go into Gullus to be metakin for killing an Egyptian in the wrong way. Asher Yanus Shama, that he runs there. Shama is the letters of? Come on. So Moshe, obviously. It's into over there. It's also Hashem. You know that, right? Moshe and Hashem are the same letters on purpose? That's okay. okay, whatever. Regardless, that's not for right now. We see, I'm not saying that Moshe Rabinu is God. I'm not like, I'm not pulling a... Well, Baba God. God. <laughs> okay, that's not what I'm doing over here. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But it goes around. We see that using these shambles to do something, even to save a Jewish life, is not necessarily a good enough reason. That's why Paro tried to kill him, but he didn't really want to kill him because he knew, <laughs> how are you going to kill a person who knows the shame of a kaddish Baruch Hu that could kill anybody at any point? You don't try to kill that guy. You just run away. Yalquh, if any, points out that this shame is throughout our davening. You ready? Kol hanashama Tahalel ka. Kol hanashama Tahalel. What are the first letters? Chuf, hey, tuf. Ready? Lo azavta dorshecha Hashem. Where do we say that? Lo azavta dorshecha Hashem. It's at the end of Uvalot Azavta, tough. Dorshecha, chaf. Yudkei vavkei is a hey at the very end. That's us again. S Hashem Elokecha. V'yahavta is Hashem Elokecha. Is Hashem Elokecha. The last letters are tough. Hey, chaf. Next. Mehera b'siferet zuzecha and alenu Liros mehera b'siferet zuzecha. You notice. L'saken olam b'mauchus shakai. Mehera Mehera The last letters are He, Tov, kaf. It's hinted to throughout the Purim story. Purim story. Who is the guy that kept going in between Mordecai and Esther? Hassoch. Hasakh are the same exact letters. Chanukah and Purim happen to be the Gematria of Take All together, 425. You put Chanukah and Purim together. It's by Noach. It's over there. What by Baruchalenu? Uh, Sabinu Tevecha? Oh, sorry. Oh, you're and you, you're to totally, different, totally different idea. But the Teva, by the Teva, it says, Now, again, I'm not going to go into this. I have no idea what to do when you're supposed to recognize these types of shameless and try to figure out what to do. I can't do it. I'm obviously not 40, right? I don't look 40, right? <laughs> looking very good for it, right? I'm not 40. So I obviously have not done this. I'm just going to tell you what these farms say, because it's a chsam sofer, it's a chida. It's brought down by the, by, by the, technically, the model just and the taz. The and b'chayah bring it down, even though they're different shamos, the 72 and the 42. I can just tell you this is what they bring down over here. There's a third shame that might have been used. The kava Yasha brings down that he heard Moshe use the shame of? Yakash. Now remember, this is also part of the 42-letter name. Neged Yakash. Remember, Abag Yatsa Tkarasota Neged Yakash Yud Chaf Shin. Me Samcha What are the last letters of those words? Mi Samcha Yud Chaf. Shin, and that's what he ended up doing. It's the last six letters over there, and that's the idea behind it. And it's supposed to be used by the times of Mashiach, because the word Shilo is the ganzer of Moshe, and Ad Kiya Voshilo, Kiya Voshilo is the gma- is the of Yakash right over there. Pardes Yosef says he heard that he used the shame y- Havaya Yudkevavke, and that's how he ended up killing the Egyptian. Moshe, however, had a problem. Why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu normally say Yudkevavke? Moshe Rabbeinu was Moshe pev and right? He had a stutter, something that wasn't there, so he couldn't say the letters. But bays- Vav, mem, and peh, which meant he could not say, again, we say it is ad adnos, alav dalad, nun, yud nowadays, but yud, ke vav, ke, you have to pronounce the vav, right? Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't do that. It was impossible for him to do it. So you know what he did? Says the part Yosef. He only said yud, hey. He killed the Egyptian using half of the name. That's what he was able to do. That's why Dustin Aviram said, halar to Omer, are you going to be able to kill me? I'm a Jew. In order to kill me, you have to use the full shame, Yudke Vavke, and you can't say a Vav, Moshe Rabbeinu. I know you have a problem with your mouth, so are you going to be able to kill me? Halagen to Omer, you're going to be able to do it? You could kill an Egyptian maybe with Yudke, but you don't have to say the Vav for me. You can't do that. Isn't that a crazy little port. Okay, that's a really good one for the party. Yosef. Sam Sofer says from the Rabbeinu Hananel, though, he didn't have a problem with Beis Vav menthe. He had a problem with Zayin samach Shin Resh tsadi, and he had a problem with dalid lamid Tuf Nun Tess. Those are the ones that he had a problem with. If you want to understand why, you've heard of Achea, Bumf, Gichak, Daltsonats, and Zashasrat? You'll get them eventually, but I'm not going to go through them right now. So either way, but those are the differences and what kind of letters you can say and differences regarding this. I'm going to go with the last one over here. The Chidot says that Moshe Rabbeinu looked deep into the Egyptian man and realized that they were once related. He said, the Egyptian man and me are both related. Moshe is the Gilgal of Heaven. He came from Heaven. That's actually his name Moshe Shesh Hevel. He came from Hevel. This man was the nephesh of Cain. This man the Ishmitzu is the Nephesh of Cain. Cain had previously killed Hevel out of hatred. So Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to be metaking that by killing him with a Shema Hashem. Killing with a Shema Hashem brings you up a higher level. He brought Cain up to a higher level. He gave a bit of a tikkun for his soul. Thus, Bayach etha Mitsvi veitmeneu The first letters are Ohavo. Because he loved him. Hevel wanted to show love toward his brother Kayan, so Moshe killed Kyan in a Moshe killed the Yishmitri in a proper way using the Shema of Hashem. That's what the Chiddush says. You ever heard that before? Yeah, pretty good, right? That Deris Elio, the Ben Kai, says that's what he was looking for. But and Kovako, what does Vaifin Kovako mean? So in Pshat, it means he looked this way and that. Is there anyone else around? Okay, and then he killed the Egyptian. In Drush, Medrash, right, Rashi says, Kovako, he looked into the future generations of this Egyptian and saw that there was going to be nobody good that came from him. So therefore, he went in and killed him. According to this idea from the Ben he said, he saw there would be no future Tikkun for this guy that would be better than him. So Moshe Benut took care of it right now by killing Cain in a proper fashion to be metakin Kayin's sin for killing Hevel. Not badges, right? That's pretty good. Right? At the end of the day, Yaukuruveni, number 114, says the Tikkun was accomplished. Kayin killed Havel and buried him in the dirt. Right? The shame that Moshe used turned the Egyptian man into a pile of dust and bones. He turned him into dirt. And that's what it means by the Yaukuruveni. He dug into the sand. He became sand. That's what the Yaukuruveni says. In number 115, he says that... Now that Kain's nefesh got that tikkun, the rest of Kain was also mitukan, was also fixed up. Who was the other part of Kain's neshama? Yisro. Yisro all of a sudden found God. Yisro saw there was something there. He was ready to become Moshe Rabbeinu's son-in-law. So because Moshe Rabbeinu killed the Ish Mitzri, Yisro became a big tzaddik. Yisro ended up becoming a good person and a person to be ready for Moshe Beno. Pretty crazy, right? Okay. Covered Elohim Hester Dover. There's a lot more over here, I guess, but like I can't, you know, there's a lot more that has to be hidden when it comes to stuff like this. Basically, what we did was is that we talked about this mice with Moshe Beno. We talked about lifting up your hand. We talked about what it means to call him a Russia, whether we actually called him a Russia or not. Then we talked about Dustin and what he was claiming, how old he was at the time, Rav Schwab, Rev Hirsch. We went through the idea of how he said it was the shame, how he might have even known this shame and what exactly what shame it was. It's great, everybody. Have a great job.